Praise the Lord. Give God a big round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Wow. Have you guys been enjoying this uh, series? Law versus Lord. Okay, hold on. I feel like a midget there for a second. It has been a very interesting one, and uh, it's only basically just opened up. Um, I think Bash has been scratching the surface for the last two weeks, eh? and Tasso also didn't go too deep into it. Tasso went into about five or six different subjects that, that morning, but he went with what was on his heart. Amen. And that's how we like to do it, Holy Spirit-led. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So let's uh, open in prayer. Everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. <coughs> Holy Spirit, we just want to thank you for your presence this morning. We want to thank you how you make us feel. You make us feel free. You take our bad and you turn it into good. You're the only one that can do it. We thank you. You never stop. You never stop see searching and seeking us out, always wanting to build us and encourage us, always looking to heal us, make us feel whole. There is no lover like you, Holy Spirit. There is no woman and no man, no father, no son, no one, nothing. There is no title. There is no CEO or boss that could ever make us feel the way you make us feel. You are truly the lover of our souls. And this morning, we pray that your word will take us deeper into our connection with you. That's what it's there for. Thank you for the anointed message this morning about the truth of who you really are. We want every heart in this room to leave the confidence knowing that their connection has been paid for in full by your beautiful, wonderful son, Jesus Christ. And all those who love the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Say, my connection is paid. Amen. I ain't running out of uh, heavenly daughter. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, that was funny, guys. Was it? Okay, we'll give it to you. Okay. We'll thanks. give it to you. <laughs> no load shedding. Yeah, that's it. No load shedding. Morning, everybody. Are we good? Man. I'll tell you one thing, hey. This series, um, it, it's, it's, it's been very exciting. Who's been here for the last couple of parts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember how excited this guy was last week, guys? I was going to apologize about that, but then I thought, nah, it's okay. Some vibes, you know. <laughs> it's fine. But uh, we got into some deep stuff last week when we were actually talking about, uh, you know, uh, we started with the love of God. I think that was straight out of worship, you know, and that led into how, you know, God is the one who leads us to life. That's been the theme of Lord, right? And you guys remember we looked in the Hebrew and we defined it as he is the one who leads us to life. And um, I think a big, a big emphasis through all the messages this year, because, I mean, geez, we've touched on some crazy things this year, from connecting with Christ to what's the level of your living, um, ego. ego, we did the ego series, License to Kill, yeah, Grace, the License to Kill, there was, there was man, it's good, listen, if, if there's any self left after this year, on the problem, all right, listen. If there's any self left at the end of this year, you guys need to go back and, and, and watch all the sermons again, all right? They're all on podcasts, so you can go get them. But we are talking about uh, law versus Lord, and the emphasis of the whole thing was 
Can I have the graphic, please? It's coming. Thank you. Uh, the whole emphasis of the whole thing was, uh, um, are you walking with God or are you trying to keep up with him? Right? Are you, are you doing whatever you think you need to be doing or have you read something in here that you believe you need to do? Or do you actually know who God is? Are you with me? And, uh, and last week, uh, I think the, the, the main thing about last week was the freedom that God has given us, right? And that we were touching on that if Christ has made us free, how do we know what that freedom looks like? You know, how do we, how do we exercise that freedom? And we were talking about how it's not just merely our freedom to choose, right? Our freedom to choose is not the indication of our freedom because our free will has never, ever been taken away. Are you guys with me? But the indication of freedom is that with God leading us, we can choose to stay free. Are you with me? Because there's many decisions that we, can, that we make in life that actually cause us to end up in slavery. You know what I'm saying? Can cause us to end up in slavery in like excessive financial pressure, um, health issues, addictions, relation, toxic relationships. There's many decisions that we have the freedom to make that could turn us into slaves. Are you with me? But the true mark of freedom is when you are walking with God and you are surrendering your choice to what he is leading you to. Are you guys with me? That is what freedom is about. And last week, um, I, I touched on how the, that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, as Paul was talking about in Galatians. And, he was, and I was explaining that the freedom that he gave us is that when we have a desire, right, is that we are not slave to our limitation to fulfill it. The freedom that he gave us is that we have the full assurance that whatever we're seeking for in this life, we will be fulfilled in him. Amen? Now, many of us have been in situ situations where we experience pressure to do something because we know we need to do it or we know we want it. But we know it's going to have a bad consequence. We know, and, and what has been our negotiation? It's like, we'll sort it out. It's fine. We'll, we'll make a plan. You know, we'll make a plan. But God is saying, now, listen, I have given you the full assurance that you can trust me to fulfill you. You can trust me to increase your life. You can trust me to make you content. You can trust me to make you whole and keep you at peace. Amen? And the entire theme of the Lord versus the law has been uh, um, God is the one who gives to us. Amen? Whereas the law is demanding, God is the one who gives to us. Are you guys with me? Yes. Amen. You guys keep telling me that when you're quiet, you're listening. Okay, cool. That's fine. We're listening intently. <laughs> I'll take their word at it, these. I don't know. Yeah, I'll take their word at it. But this week, um, we, are we wrapping up this week? I think so. I think we should. Yeah, yeah I, I think we are wrapping up this week. You guys have heard enough about that. Or is there any other questions you guys have about this? Because we've got some juicy things coming next, but we're just testing the timing of, <laughs> of what, what's next. I think, I think the big problem is, is that people get so abused under um, the misinterpretation of the law. Yeah. So people get abused and, and they get taught from the pulpit that the law is simply about you doing things and obeying and the instruction being fulfilled. And what happens is after uh, um, getting to a point in your life after two, three, because you know the average lifespan of a Christian in a church nowadays is two and a half years. Because we come in on grace. 
We come in on the free gift of righteousness. Somebody preaches a message about salvation. We hear how free it is. And then what takes place is we put up our hands, we say the, the sinner's prayer, and we now dedicate our lives to God. We become reborn in our spirit, and we say, Lord, we want to walk with you. And we are under the impression that this thing is free, and it's fun, and it's enjoyable. But what happens is, all of a sudden, we start getting bogged down with the law. The law comes and it's, you can't do it like this, and you better do it like this, and you better say this, and you better pray this much, and you better do this, and you better do that. And eventually, what we do is, we actually disqualify ourselves from this free gift. Then we have a rebound situation. Okay, so we give our lives to the Lord, we get put under law over a couple of years, and then what happens is we get frustrated, we feel like we're not uh, uh, um, qualified, or we feel like we're not as close as we used to, uh, we used to be with the Lord. Remember that time when it was just free, you know? Obviously, there's a bit of growth that has to take place. But then what happens is the pattern is there's a rebound and people run straight away from the law. They run right across to this side and they go, I found a grace church. I've got grace. Forget about the law. I've got amazing grace. But guess what? There's nothing wrong with either side if they get preached correctly. If they get taught with the right spirit. Are you with me? You can say there's amazing grace, but you can say there's amazing law. So what people do is they run from this, from this pressure, this misinterpretation of the scriptures, and this to-do list that is drowning us and suffocating us. And then we run and we go look for grace again, and then what happens is we find grace because grace has always been there. Amen? Grace has been there all along. But what happens is people start moving into this thing called antinomianism, which is they become anti-law. They forget about what the law was given for. And they forget that the word says in Romans 7, it says that the law is good, the law is perfect, and the law is holy. Okay? But the law can't get you to the place that grace does. Are you with me? So we have this big thing in the church where people now start saying, you know, uh, I'm under Christ. Um, and Christ fulfilled the law. Did Christ fulfill the law? Yes, he did. So if he fulfilled the law, that means all the law is kept in him. Hello? Yep. Am I right? Am I wrong? So how can we say that, you know what, the law, okay, yeah, you know what, whatever, we don't need to hear the law, don't care about the law anymore, whatever, it's obsolete. But then we say we're following the Lord. Are you with me? But the Lord is the fulfillment of the law. The only difference now is that when you come under Jesus correctly and properly, He, through His ability, helps you fulfill those things that you couldn't in your flesh. You see, he now walks alongside you. He actually comes, he's actually inside you. He's in your spirit, one spirit with you. And now what he does is, instead of you coming under the condemnation of the law, he now releases the law to you through a relationship based on his victory of fulfilling all the law and never sinning. 
And now he walks with you hand in hand like Bash was showing us. And he walks you into all of these beautiful things that the law showed us about God. God's not a liar. God was actually saying, look, be like me. I don't lie. And then what we did was we, well, the Jews, they took the law and they said, hey, we can do it. We can fulfill it. We can keep it. They actually said, we can keep it. And what happened? Moses came down from the mountain. These oaks were already worshiping a golden calf. Zeus, the bull, Lucifer himself. Are you with me? So we've got to understand something, and we've got, to, we've got to get this sweet spot as Christians. Because before you know it, if you are saying that the law is completely uh, meaningless in my life, okay, how do you, how can, if I ask you, what, is the, what does love look like? How are you going to answer me? Can anyone tell me? What does love look like? You're going to say, love doesn't steal. Love doesn't lie. Love doesn't deceive. You're going to show me, because who is love, guys? God. He doesn't have love. He is love. Amen? Are you with me? So we've got to become mature in our walk with God, and we need to know where the law fits in and how we now operate under the one who fulfilled it. You can't say that you are following the Lord. I have repented from the law because you should repent from the law. Did you know that? You have to repent from the law, but not in the sense that the law is wrong. You have to repent from finding your righteousness in the law. You repent from finding your righteousness in the law, which is good and holy and perfect. And then you turn to Christ, who fulfilled the law, and he says, I've died on the cross in your place and I've given you righteousness, man, for free. So we do need to repent from the law, but not the law in itself, because the law in itself is good. Amen. But we repent from finding our right standing in the law. Amen. We still got to love it. We got to have that desire in our hearts. Lord, help me to be ethical. Help me to be a man of my word. Lord, give me the courage and the strength for my yes to be yes and my no to be no. Lord, give me the strength never to fear man more than you so that I'll never tell a lie. Help me. I know I do. I know I make mistakes. I know I do. But Jesus, you my Lord. And the, and the scripture says when you turn from the law, 1 Corinthians 3, it says when you turn from the veil of the law and you turn to the Lord the spirit, there is freedom. Freedom for what? Freedom for you to walk in the original image that the law was trying to show you. Yeah. That's the freedom Christ gives us. Amen. You see, there's no longer condemnation and guilt for not meeting the mark because he already met it. Amen? So now he says, come. You come and live on my account. You come and spend your days on my account. Yeah. It's all paid for. Yeah. Are you with me? Amen. We have to understand this. Guys, you know, the Holy Spirit was giving me something yesterday when I was in the gym, and I just, uh, I had to stop and, and take it down because 
It was so, it's so interesting how he, he said it to me. So, listen, in our flesh, how many of you guys know, we don't like to be told what to do. What? <laughs> no. No. Really? Man, we live in a village, and the other day they sent out a thing saying that if you... What? That sounds weird. What? You said we, you live in a village. We live in a village. Yeah? It's the 21st century. What do you mean you live in a village? <laughs> okay, we live in a, a Boomdorf thing, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they sent this paper out to everybody, this letter, and the letter stated, if you don't get a black, uh, um, one of these black plastic bins by this time or whatever, your garbage will not be picked up. Let me tell you something, guys. Something rose up inside of me. I was like, was garbage? I will show you. I will not get a plastic bin, and I'll put extra junk out there, and you will pick it up, because we pay the council for you to pick it up. You just try. Well, and I was having this argument with this letter, and there was no one else in the room. <laughs> Did you win? I won. <laughs> I won first round, and then the Holy Spirit came back second round. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm joking. And the Holy Spirit came back and he said, Who, why, why are you wasting your energy? <laughs> what are you doing? You know, the Holy Spirit, sometimes he's got that Italian mafia. Capiche? Wake up. You know? So, why? You see, why does, why does a written code or a written instruction, something that comes on a letter or something that comes on the cold tablet stones, why does it around? Why does it rile up something inside of us? Why? Let me give you a beautiful example. My mom was a famous singer, and she would fly around the whole world and the whole country, and she was hardly ever at home. And there were seven brothers and sisters, okay? Not seven brothers and seven sisters, just seven children in the house. She's... Praise God for that. Seven siblings. <laughs> and uh, I was the second youngest out of the four boys, okay? And guess what? We all had chores to do. And uh, mine was mow the lawn on a certain day and then also wash the dishes, which I hate doing whilst my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you. But I do it anyway. So the next thing is my dad would take my mom and she'd have to go do a gig and he'd go, they'd be away for three, four days and leave my older brother in charge of the house. Okay, now when my dad asked me, my dad didn't even have to ask me, go mow the lawn, wash the dishes. Why? Because when my father looked at me with that love, with that love in his heart, and there's love in his eyes, and I understood the instruction from a warm, loving relationship, he didn't even have to ask me to do it. I want to honor you because you do everything for me. You've done everything for me. You take a bullet for me. Are you with me? So now he goes on holiday, or he takes my mom, and he leaves my brother in charge. Now listen, there's no fatherly heart there anymore, okay? Now my brother comes up to me, he's like, why isn't the garden done yet? If you don't do this, put our blankety-blank, it better be done by this time. Are you with me? There's no love, there's no understanding, there's no honor, there's no, there's no nothing involved with the instruction. Are you with me, guys? So what happens is, when we don't have the, the warmth of the Father's heart behind the instruction, and we try to do this thing from a, from a, a point where it's just cold and it's just obey or else, rile something up inside of us. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay? 
So this is what he said to me. He said, any law given to me by a man never, what, hold on, by a man never or even from the scripture, yes, okay. Any law given to me by a man or even from the scripture without knowing God, his intention for me, his heart for me in my heart will result in me either intellectualizing it away, okay, or uh, obedience without any heart behind it, fear, just to get it done, okay, or my flesh will just totally kick against it. Are you with me? And that can be an instruction from the Bible, or it can be from your boss, or from your father, or your mother, or your brother, or your sister, or, or from Bash. Uh, <laughs> just joking. But no matter how heavy the instruction is, now listen to this. Even the smallest thing will get to you if it is from, a, from that place without love or understanding. Are you with me? Without, come on, this is what I need to get done. If you can't do it 100%, let me help you get there. If it's not done from that heart. But no matter how heavy the instruction is, when the Lord puts it on me, no man can even stop me from doing it. No one will stop you. When you know God has touched you in your heart and you said, Charmaine, do this. You're not going to intellectualize it. You're not going to reason it out. You're not going to do any. You're, if you really love God and you, and, God lo- and you know how much God loves you, that's going to be a connection point for you. It's not going to be me just fulfilling an instruction. It's going to be, Lord, I want to do this because I know. On the other side of this, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get something out of this. My heart's going to expand. My heart's going to grow. My vision of myself's going to open up. My vision for people is going to open up. Are you with me? And that's why we have to repent from getting our righteousness from the law, and we repent to the Lord. So even if you look to the law every day and you read it and you forget about the Lord, you're going to be in trouble. That's why we say, that's why we say, repent from the righteousness in the law to the righteousness in Christ. Because he knows what you need. He knows what's inside of you. He knows what you're made of. He knows the gifts, the talents. He knows the capacity. He knows your heart better than any person on this planet. And he knows when he gives you something to do, he knows it's going it's to raise the level of life in you. Amen? Man, if you're not growing in God, then what are you doing? If we're not growing every day, being raised to another level of love, another, another level of understanding, another cap- a fuller capacity to forgive, to, to give of our time. If we're not moving in that direction, then what are we actually doing as Christians? Then we're just sitting back going, hey, we got a ticket, we're going to heaven, praise God for his grace. You know what the funny thing is? People run from the law because they've been taught, it's been taught wrong to them. They run to grace, and guess what? They run straight back into their flesh. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yes, you know, pastor, I was burnt out in that church. I used to serve in the children's ministry every Sunday for 10 years. Now I've got grace. Cool, so what's happening nowadays? Nothing. I just sit at home and I watch TBN because, you know, I don't have to do anything. I've got grace. Woo! Idle hands? Other? Jy sal frot, my bro. Jy sal daar by die TV sit en jy sal frek gaan in jou hart. 
Mijn Afrikaans is lekker, nee. Delicious. <laughs> you will rot. I'm telling you. If you don't go out and exercise the love that's inside of you every day, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the hand of the, Holy, of, of the Lord leading you, you will literally rot in yourself. Yeah. You will. Yeah. Give of yourself. Get out there. Speak the word. Make active the life that's inside of you. Share it. Partake with people. Look for opportunities where it will cost you your time and your energy. Look for opportunities to love. Because I promise you, you're going to get something out of it. You're going to become a better person at the other, on the other side of it. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Look for the opportunities to serve your brother and your sister. It's to your benefit. Amen? Amen? This is why we repent from the righteousness in the law to the righteousness in Christ. Amen. What did Jesus say? He said to the Pharisees, these guys, we know, they copied the scriptures. They wrote the scriptures out all day long. They memorized it. And Jesus made this statement. He said, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of them, you're in trouble. Are you with me? He is saying, their righteousness is in what they're doing. My righteousness is in who I am. I'm the king. Come and get mine. I'm the righteous king. I'm giving it to you for free. Come and live in me. Come and abide in me. And when you walk with me, you're going to experience a level of life that not even you reading the Bible can give you without me. Amen? Amen. Give God a round of applause. Yeah, that was good. Yes, see. But that's really the crux of the matter, isn't it? Because a lot of people, they have a lot of hesitation when you talk about this. Because if you tell people, listen, but if you're going to take away my templates, how am I supposed to do this? Yeah. And it's because of those testimonies, like that uncle who's that guy that yeah, you were talking yeah, yeah. about, you know? Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, if, if, you, if you listen to stories like that, that's what people say. It's like, oh, you know that grace message. Oh, you know that grace me. But the principle is this, is that the way the law is taught and the way grace is taught nowadays is all in flesh. Pashan, what are you saying? It is, because it's all self-centered messages. Nothing centered around Jesus. If you're hearing a message that's not centered around Jesus, it's flesh. I'm sorry, it's not spirit. The Bible is clear on that, right? So when we hear that, that sort of thing, it's like, oh, I was under so much performance, you know, and now I'm free. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing? It's like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just resting. You know, I'm resting, you know? I'm sleeping all day. I'm doing all this stuff and everything. It's like, okay, but then what does that, re where did you get that image of rest? Because the image of rest is that I am now at peace in God. And everything that he's put inside me now, I can do more abundantly. That's the principle. So whatever image that you're getting is the image that is serving self, right? Now, the <laughs> the interesting part is this. Now, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Okay, so I know Moses gets a lot of, he gets a lot of flack. He does, which is fine because he was the only dude in the Bible who literally sat across the table from God and God taught him personally, okay? Obviously, apart from Jesus, right? They were on the mountain. They went up there. God came down and they were sitting and, and God's like explaining the blueprint, you know, of how this Messiah is going to come through, through Israel. And, you know, he gives all the instructions for Exodus 20. You can go read it. He gets a lot of flack for it. He really does. But you know he had no consideration for it. 
What are you talking about? No, he had no consideration for it. You know why? It's because he understood that the law was merely a prescript or a prescript, prescription, whatever, from the Lord. That's why when he came down the first time and they were all going crazy, he broke the tablets. He's like, okay, we'll deal with this later. We just need to sort something out. Moses was so in love with the Lord, right, that when God said, I'm going to finish these people, I'm done with them, right? God went full Indian. He's like, I'll finish these oars. Let me tell you, right? <laughs> God went full Indian, right? I'm going to finish these oars. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 Lord, what are you saying? Do you know what that's, what that's going to do? That's going to be like, it's going to make all the unbelievers say that you just took them out of Egypt so you can kill them. That's not who you are, right? And the Bible says that the Lord relented. Check Moses. Moses is like, yeah. You don't kill them, but I will. So he comes down the mountain. I'm saying, go read it. He comes down the mountain. And they're already worshiping the, the, that golden calf. They're carrying on, right? They're going, they're going whatever they need to hoi. Then Moses comes down. He says, right. Whoever is of the Lord, come to me now. And all the Levites run to him. He says, right, go get your swords. Kill all of them. Go read this. This is a mental story, right? And he says, this day, I'm telling you, the Lord says, okay, go kill all these people. I'm telling you, go kill them. They go kill 3,000 people. Everyone is like, oh, no, why is everyone dying? And Moses is like, yeah, you didn't listen. Now, you'll sit here quietly. I'm coming back just now. So he goes back up on the mountain. He's like, yeah, Lord, so where were we, you know? He's like, Moses, you just... You just killed 3,000. What are you talking about? What, what is going on? Are you with me? And, and over there, he actually makes a statement that Jesus makes later when he's talking. And in there, Moses says, and he says, listen, he says, listen, you who have killed off now mother, father, brother, sister, servant, for the Lord's sake are devoted to him. Do you guys remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, unless you hate your mother and hate your father, you cannot follow me. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, now listen, now when, when we, like we clarified before, when Jesus said, hate your mother, hate your father, he's not talking about them, hate them physically or who they are. He's talking about hate what they taught you. Hate the, 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 the paradigms that they gave you, the worldview and perspectives they gave you about life because I have come to give you new ones, right? So Jesus, now, now, we, now when, you, when you compare Moses and you compare Jesus, you can see so many similarities, Right? And that is biblical because Jesus himself said, I have come to fulfill the law, right? And when you go and read from Exodus 20, the law was never given for the Israelites to be accepted by God. So why do we read it like that? Yeah. Because somebody comes up here and he shouts really loud and he gets emotional and he says, you're so bad, you better get good before God. Meanwhile, he didn't read the scripture. The law was never given for the Israelites to uh, be accepted by God. There is nothing given to you in life by God for you to be accepted by him. No instruction. You can even look that the law was given, not even for them personally between them and God. The law was given to them for their interaction with each other. Go and read it. Do you know, they were so barbaric when they came out of Egypt right? When you go read from Exodus 20 to 24, go and read it. The instructions are so simple, but when you read it, you'll be like, wow, God, you're so wise, hey? You took this chamors of a people, like, who are stuck in ways that aren't even mentionable, 
from the baby sacrifices to the, the sexual immorality to the worshiping of idols and everything that they brought out of Egypt. And God gives this list of instructions and you think, wow, these basic principles over here, when the Israelites apply it, they will be set apart from the rest of the world. They will be that holy nation because God says, this is why you need to do it. I've promised to you that I will save you, which is why now, even though the Jews don't believe in Jesus, they're still going to be saved at the end of all things. Not because of them, because of the promise, right? Now let's go to John chapter 1 quickly. We're running, we're running with time here. Are you guys with me so far? So where did this story come from that we must do things to be accepted before God? Because Israel did say that. Moses came down and he's like, listen, and Moses came down twice, eh? He came twice down. Came down twice. Came twice down. And the first time, they're like, Moses, everything God says we will do. Fantastic. Moses goes up the mountain. He, 40 days, eh? He's busy. He's halfway through or whatever. He could have been on day four. I don't even know, right? The Bible doesn't specifically say. But then they start talking. They're like, you know what? We haven't heard from this bra Moses. Something's wrong. Right? Forget the fact that they saw 10 plagues, they walked through the ocean, they had the, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, their, their sandals never wore out, they had freaking food appearing from the air, it was fantastic, right? But listen, something's wrong with this Brah Moses, we need to do something. So let's get enough of us together, we'll go to Aaron, we'll plead the same case to Aaron. Now listen, here's the thing, they already said, we'll do everything, Moses discussed the preliminary discussion, he said this is what the Lord's thinking about. We're going to go sort it out. We're going to come back, right? They go to Aaron. Aaron says, they, then they tell Aaron, Aaron, our brother Moses is gone, right? He was the one who spoke to God. Obviously, we got a problem. Let's make for us an idol that we can connect with as God. Obviously, Moses is not here. He's not coming back. We haven't heard from the bra. But we can see him. There, the cloud is on the mountain, but we haven't heard from him. He's obviously dead, Right? What does it sound, sound like a lot of Christians? Everything's so wrong in my life. God's not with me. God put this on me. Okay. God didn't say that, right? So they go through this whole process, and they start the story, and then that's where Moses, God even interrupts Moses. He says, right, go down and see your people. Look what they're doing. Yo. Moses says, time out, God. I'll be back now. Kills 3,000 people. Comes back. Right, where were we? Okay. Now, yeah, let's go to John chapter 1. I know, this is, it's a funny story. I have to make it funny because, like, when, when you read it, it's like, Yeesh, this is hectic. But it, it is exactly what happened. And the thing is this, a lot of people, a lot of people think that the way God dealt with Israel, right, they looked at Israel like you and I, like little kids. It's like, oh, no, we, we're just little civilized kids. You know, we, we went to school, we came home, we did our homework. God was too harsh. Oh, my gosh, you know, that sort of stuff. Listen, go back and understand what ancient Egyptian culture was like and how they lived how they treated each other how they treated the animals how they treated the land everything that they did and you will see that the principles that god put in were so merciful always. i'm telling you the principles that god put in is always merciful right so let's go from uh, um 14 was it not working oh there it is okay cool so it says here the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? 15. John testified concerning him. 
He cried out saying, this is the one, uh, John the Baptist, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Now people are like, no, I'm no longer under law, I'm under grace. It's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, we know Paul said that. But are you telling me that before Jesus, there was no grace? Uh, no. No. Remember, John, the book of John was written, discipleship school students. The book of John was written at the end of John's life. John grew up in the Jewish customs, saw how the Jews practiced everything, walked with Jesus, saw the message of the gospel go to the Jews, but beyond that, go to the Gentiles, understanding the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit and everything God came to achieve, right? Now he says here, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. You see, God was a God of grace from the beginning, do you know who was it that disqualified the grace of God in their lives? It wasn't the law. It was people. Because the law was given to make Israel holy. Now people say this. Oh, you know, I just want to be holy for, before God. I just want to be holy before God. Two parts to that. Step one, you're already holy in Christ. You don't need to be holy before God. You need to be holy before people. And holiness before people is a choice. You want to be different? Choose to be different. Don't come with some deep spiritual meaning like, oh, I'm waiting for the Lord to make me stop lying. If you stop talking, you wouldn't tell a lie. Okay. Holiness is given for God's representation before people. You don't need to be holy before God. God is the holy one. Do you understand? The purpose of the law was for Israel's representation amongst the nations. It had nothing to do with Israel's connection with God. And the minute you are attaching any physical behavior, right, to your connection with God, you are in error. You're following a gospel or a lifestyle that does not exist in the Bible. Bash, bash. Listen, let me finish. Hold on. Okay. So, 17. For the law was given through Moses. Hallelujah. We've just established that. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. Is the law untrue? Of course not. The law is perfect. It's holy. It's just. Right? So then, what truth did Jesus bring? That's a good question. This is what we got to get into. Because we can't say that the truth that Jesus brought was contrary to the law that was given. Hello? We can't say that. Because there's no contradiction in God. There's no contradiction in the Bible. So what is the truth that Jesus brought? Do you know what it is? It's a good question you guys ask. Do you know what it is? It is the truth about who God is. Why was that important? Because people, right, and we're starting back with the Israelites, okay? People looked at the instruction, and because of the frustration in their flesh, they made a decision on what God was like. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. 
Because of the frustration of the things that they, lo they no longer should do, they made a decision on what God was like. How many of you wake up depressed on a Monday morning because it's a blue Monday? And you're like, oh, God, you, you, you're, you're a harsh God. How many of you, when you feel stressed, you're like, oh, God is testing me. He's a taskmaster, you know, yes. You see, there's this principle of the veil that you mentioned now, right? And we know what happened when, when, at the cross when Christ said, it is finished. There was an earthquake, right? There's an earthquake. And what happened in the temple? What was the significant part of the temple? The veil was torn. Now, do you guys understand what the significance of that is? When you go, and, and Tasso touched on this, I don't know when. Tasso touches on a lot of things. So I, I tried to like pinpoint, I'm like, when did he say this? Because flip, this is like good, you know? But, and he, and he explained that Hebrew tradition of the veil and the importance of it. And the thing is this, is that now, when the veil was torn, it was a symbol that you could never disconnect the nature of the instruction from the nature of the person. Listen to what I'm saying. Because God says, do not lie. Oh, that's too harsh. What if I want to tell a little white lie? Lord, you're just a taskmaster. You see, what's happening is that you're just listening to the instruction. You're forgetting that the instruction came from the nature of the person himself. God never gave an instruction that was independent or separate from who he is. So what does that mean? It means that if I am going to process his instruction in my flesh, I forfeited his goodness. If I'm going to change my interpretation on him based on how my flesh is feeling, I forfeited his goodness and now I'm just back to serving myself. Are you guys with me? Now as believers, do you know that the law was never intended for us? The law was only for Israel. Hello? Yeah, Gentiles, we, the, we, I don't know how the law got into the church. I would love to know where this thing came from, okay? Because the law was only meant for the Jews. It wasn't meant for any, anyone else, right? When Paul went and opened all these churches in Greece and Asia Minor, you know, that whole area he went to, were they running the Ten Commandments there? No, they had Zeus and they had Athena and they had all this other stuff. They didn't even have a Bible, Torah even, for flip's sake, right? Greeks, <laughs> Greeks, Italian, Chinese, I don't know what sections he went around in, right? But they had none of these things, yet now this law has come back into it, right? And in Romans chapter 7, what is our time? Are you guys okay for time? Are we okay? Okay, if you're not okay, just sit tight. We're going to get there. You know, we always say, you know, in the, with... Ah. Receive the instruction in love. Yeah. <laughs> sit. No, <I'm> joking. <laughs> And the reason is, is because over the ages, the church got so separated from knowing the Lord. And you go back and you study history, man, ah, oh, jeez. Human history has got to be the most horrific thing you could ever study in life. Don't, don't go watch horror movies on Netflix and stuff, guys. Don't, don't even waste your time. Just go and study human history. It, it is so grotesque, it will blow your mind, right? It will blow your mind. But check this out. Um, the, this adoption of the law of performance, and Paul addresses it many times, right? Many times where he, he started churches and then uh, the, the Jews saw the freedom the Christians had and they said, no, this is wrong. You must come back. You're not doing enough. You must come back, right? Why? Because they're coming from an entire culture 
who separated the instruction from the person. The instruction was not the key to knowing the person better. The instruction was the key to loving your brother. Listen to what I'm saying. The instruction was the key to loving your brother. Morality is not a demand from God for himself. Morality is needed for you and I to live in harmony. Because if Didi doesn't lock his house at night, and I think it's okay to go take his stuff, do you think we're going to have harmony? And the reason Didi locks his house at... Hey? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I won't survive that one. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah someone else, yeah. But... Did he locks his house at night because someone out there thinks it's okay to come and take his stuff? Hello? Are you guys with me? There are people like that out there. Just yeah. <laughs> in South Africa, there's plenty. He's in your guys. Yeah, anyway. Are you guys with me? So I we just saw yesterday they stole the whole school brick by brick. What? They literally stole the building brick by brick. I'll show you. It's in the news. Yeah, yeah. Send they, me that link. Oh, my gosh. They stole... They, they, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's the thing. Oh, I'm, what? These eggs will steal the but, milk out of your coffee but, if you're not watching. I'm telling you. Saddle, watch out. Wait. <laughs> but here's the thing now. How, how do you not notice the school is disappearing? Up? I just saw the headline. School stolen brick by brick. I was like, huh? No, yeah, no, 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 no. They taught those guys engineering so well, they, could, they walked away with the whole building. But. <laughs> How did we get on this? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, someone wants to come take your stuff, okay? So we need to understand that the demand for morality was never that God needed it. What happened is that now we were this multitude of people living next to each other. And because we're created in the image and likeness of God, we cannot treat each other differently to the way God treats us. That's why Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. He's telling us, guys, you need to treat each other the way I treat you. Are you with me? But now there is this angst around this thing is that because all of us have been programmed to live by ourselves, self-serving, self-sufficient, just do what I want, get what I want. It doesn't matter who it costs me or what it costs me, right? So when we move away from any rigid rules, regulations, or templates, right, we're like, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. What, no, what do we, how am I supposed to serve myself without a template? You're not supposed to serve yourself. You're supposed to die to self and walk with God. Are you with me? Romans chapter 7. Now, this is, a, this is a fantastic, from verse 1, this is a fantastic scripture, right? Because here, Paul is talking about, he's dealing with that angst, that nervousness, right, of letting the law go. Because what people were doing is that they were holding the law higher than loving people. And Jesus came along to show them, you hypocrites, how can you think that loving people and upholding the law are two separate things? That means you're using the law for yourself. You're not using the law to love your brother. Are you guys with me? Right? Verse 1. Yes, thank you. Um, Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law. Right? So he's dealing with people who, are, who know the law. They lived by the law. That the law has authority over someone 
only as long as that person lives. Now, this is not a difficult concept to understand, right? If, you're, if you've got a home loan and it's not paid off and you die, does the bank come and knock on your coffin? <laughs> Hi, we've been meaning to contact you about your outstanding home loan. No. They're like, yo, Askis is dead. Shut up. We're like, trying to rest in peace here. Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Rest in interest. Anyway. Okay, easy principle to understand, right? Anyway, whenever there's debt owed by a person and they die, what happens? It's not applicable. It's like, so what? They just say, death certificate, thanks, shop, move on with life. Okay. For example, okay, Paul gives a different example. I gave a bank, okay? But here it says, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. Making sense so far, right? Basic example. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Now here Paul's dealing with the uncertainty. People are like, no, but how can you say we must just cut off Moses, bro? All we've known our entire life is Moses. We don't want to be unfaithful to Moses. The only people that the Jews respected more than Moses was God himself. They didn't, like, Moses is greater than Jesus to the Jews. Because he gave them the entire way of life. Are you with me? But he says here, uh, and he's not an adulteress if she marries another, uh, another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. Listen, yeah, that's a good place to clap your hands. You died to the law through the body of Christ. So as a believer, what business you got trying to do right before God through the law? You're in error. Acknowledge it, correct it, right? Um, through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For God. Not for him specifically, to show that we are with him, right? For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, here's the thing. If you're serving in the old way of the written code, what you are doing is that you are using the written code, all right, to be acceptable to God. All right? Are you guys with me? That's what you are doing. But the way of the Spirit is that we are now have in Christ realities. And the way that I live now, there is no demand on me to perform to experience for fullness. Now, performance becomes a fruit as uh, it becomes a fruit as a result of the fullness I have in Jesus. Are you with me, right? Now, here's the thing. The law is finished, is dead. But Pastor Diri said that earlier, that it's not... That's, hold on, wait, let me finish. We're not contradicting each other here, right? Law is eternal, it is. But the way that we interact with the law... Now, for Jews, the law is the law of Moses and everything else, right? For us, we have the law and we have law. 
Remember Tasso in part one, he was breaking down. You, the, the Bible mentions the law, which is the mosaic, whatever. And then it talks about law, which is legalism, right? So the law encompasses uh, the Ten Commandments, the, what's it word? Talmud, that whole story. Yeah, the, the mitzvah and l'chaim and bar mitzvah and whatever, right? Whatever all the other Jewish words I'm throwing out. Yes, yes, yeah. So um, the law, and then we have legalism. Right now, legalism we've touched on this this whole year, right? Is about those actions and those internal autos, those cultural and traditional standards that we've all defined through life experience that this is how we're going to do well, this is how we're going to be accepted, this is how we're going to have peace, this is how we're going to have wholeness, right? But Jesus himself even came and said, I've come to take over from Moses. I've come to put his covenant to rest, and I am now giving you a new one. Bash, where's that in the Bible? That's a great question. Good. I'm glad you guys said that. Yes, this church is awake this morning, right? Let's go to Luke. Luke. Luke, there's your father. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Now, you guys know about the Last Supper, right? Now, listen. And again, I'm going to emphasize, go back and watch our Easter message, please. The Easter message and all the why Jesus died parts after it, okay? There's two parts to the Last Supper. What were they? There was the bread, which is the body. And then there was the blood, which is the blood of the new covenant, right? So let's go down to verse 19. No, sorry, 17. Oh, Luke twenty-two seventeen. I keep, I'm sorry. Listen, the laptop guys are good. It's just that sometimes the pastors forget to give the reference. <laughs> okay, seventeen. After no, what did I say? Twenty-two seventeen. No. Yeah, yeah, right. Sorry, seventeen. Okay. <laughs> so after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said. Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And obviously, 21 is the part about Judas and stuff, right? Now, here's the thing. What did we just read about in Romans that the body was given for? We died to the law through what? The body of Christ. Are you guys with me? Because to be freed from the law, you needed a death. To be freed from any covenant or contract, you needed a death. That's the only way you can be free, right? But now what was the significance of the blood? Because we say, the blood of Jesus. I was even saying the other week, look to the blood. Which I'm so sorry, I went back and I watched that. I'm like, Bash, you're such a clown. Oh my gosh. But at least you guys will remember it. Anyway, but what was the purpose of the blood? Why did Jesus have to say, this is my blood of the new covenant, given to you of the new covenant, right? Now remember who he's talking to. Eh? He's talking to the Jews. Let's go back to Exodus 24. We did a lot of scriptures this morning. Just, just so that we, we can tell you guys, listen, what we're saying is not opinion, eh? <laughs> And we'll close with this, right? Yeah, we're almost done. Yeah, yeah, we'll close with this. Diddy's checking the clock here. Yes, okay. I'm watching the wait, wait for me, Diddy Jeans. <laughs> All right, so uh, Exodus 24. 
Now remember, Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant, right? Now listen. Hey? Yeah, yeah, hold on, I'm getting there. Verse 4. Actually from verse 3. Okay. Are we there? 24.3. Okay, guys, hang tight. Home stretch. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Yes. Everything the Lord said we will do. It kind of makes you feel like preschool, hey? You know in preschool we say, good morning. You remember they used to do that? This is it. Everything the Lord has said we will do. Stupid Israelites. Anyway. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. Verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Right? Verse 8. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant of the Lord, covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Can you guys see? Why are you dealing with Moses? You're wasting your own time and you're sacrificing the goodness of God at work in your heart because you want to be under Moses. Look at this. He says here, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And Jesus at the Last Supper says, this is the blood of the new covenant. Amen? Now, here's the thing, guys. What have we been telling you between Lord versus law? You have the freedom now to look upon the face of God. Think about that for a second. You have the freedom that when, like the example with mowing the lawn, you have the freedom to know whether or not he's speaking as the loving father or the disgruntled older brother. But as long as that veil remains that Paul talks about whenever the law of Moses is read, when you're focusing on the instruction and the delivery of the instruction becomes the reflection of your worth in God's eyes, you focused for disgruntled older brother. Are you guys with me? You have lost sight of the loving father that you have. Are you guys with me? And consequently... If you are now connecting with your loving father, you should be a loving person. You should not be a heavy, works-based, disgruntled, upset person when you're around people. Oh, but if I don't tell them about Jesus, you know, if I don't tell them they've got to stop their bad ways, how are they going to know? Where does the Bible say that Moses is the key to bringing people to Jesus? Amen. We can hear the birds singing. It's time to... Yeah. Anyway. Even the birds are singing. I don't know there's birds in here, guys. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit saying to Bash. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but did you guys get something this morning? Amen. Come on, give Praise God a Lord. big round of applause. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's too much. I mean, Yabesh has been running with the series for the last three weeks. He's, he's been doing a lot of research and going over it in his heart. So he just wanted to get it all out there this morning. But God is good, amen? Did you get something? Come on. God is amazing. So remember, we can't separate how we live with God and how we live with people. If we live in like this with, people, uh, with God, we're going to see it in people. Amen? We're going to see it how we live with people.